episode 35 of Deepening Roots and Growing Branches here at New Life Evangelical Free Church. My name is Paul Arneberg, Director of Disciple by Doing. I am now having the second part of goal setting. Uh, so goal setting part two. If you listen to episode 34, boy, I got over 33 minutes, which is the coming of age for Hobbits, by the way, number 33. Uh, and I didn't even get to the second main category. So I did a lot of groundwork laying about what goals are. And by the way, before I get to that, I just want to shout out the number 35 is very important to me and special to me because my parents were both age 35 when I was born, and I was the way tail end of their five children. And a couple of things, just more Paul trivia, which I like to share once once in a while, or maybe every episode, but you know, for now I'm going to share it very specifically and personally. My mom had an ovary removed the year before I was born, and she had a miscarriage. So that was six years after my next oldest brother, Jim, was born. And so they thought she wasn't going to have any more kids. So when I not only was conceived, that they called that a miracle. When I was being born, my umbilical cord wrapped around my neck three times, and yet I survived. And then I was doted on all throughout my childhood, which led me a lot to have the tools to learn to dote on others, first through youth ministry and now um, through hospitality and, and my Great honor to be on staff here at New Life Church in Hastings. So that's a little bit of a trivia about the number 35 and a little bit of my background and how I came into the world. I'm so grateful for the Lord ordaining this life for me and a life that I pray will continue to bless others as many, many, many untold people have blessed me for my 54 and a half years. So I'm going to just quickly recap episode 34 about goals. And remember, I said uh, the three main goals one could measure, or should I say ways one could measure goals, are mini goals, medium goals, and mega goals. Mini goals are what you can do in an hour or a day. It's a very, very short term before you go to sleep tonight. A medium goal is what you could perhaps accomplish or set to accomplish this season or perhaps a year. Okay, that would be the one we stereotypically known as a New Year's resolution, but I emphasized the last episode, I'm not really into New Year's resolutions, I'm pretty much into daily resolutions. How do I continue to uh, sharpen my mind and body and spirit and skills for effectiveness for the Lord and ministry? And then thirdly, mega goals, what could you accomplish or set out to accomplish in a decade or a life season or a lifetime? So that's a, a very quick review. The only thing, uh, only major category I got to talk a little bit about last time was physical goals, which I defined as two main categories, nutrition and exercise. And if you uh, wish that I had been more specific, like going through very, very detailed steps about how to set goals and, and, and that sort of thing, first of all, time doesn't permit that. Secondly, the beauty of this podcast and the beauty of the fact we're doing this in the name of Disciple by Doing here at New Life Church, which is my role on staff here, we can flesh it out ongoing. So if you keep listening to this podcast, as the Lord permits, we'll continue doing this. Our goal is to do, speaking of goals, our goal is to record one or two podcasts every week. So by the end of 2024, there's a goal for you. Uh, there's 52 weeks in a year, and maybe there's two Wednesdays we have to miss. Pastor Brent, I mean, by the way, he's still on vacation. That's why I'm flying solo for the second straight episode here in episode 35. If we record about two episodes a week for, let's just say, 50 weeks, that is another 100 episodes. So God willing, by the end of 2024, we will have accomplished uh, episodes 133. Because we ended 2023 with episode 33, and now one and two right in January, early January here in 2024. Uh, so do the math. It's 133 episodes by the end of the year. It's a goal. But speaking of goals, 
If we don't meet it, uh, I'm not going to get fired for not meeting that goal, nor will Pastor Brent. Uh, and I doubt many listeners will c- complain because we went through a lot of dry spells in 2023 uh, where we couldn't record because of my closing out jugheads or, or busyness or whatever. But that's our goal. Okay. So with all that background in mind again, and by the way, thank you for your grace. Uh, I, I have to kind of put on my non-perfectionist hat when I do this, even with Brent, but when I'm by myself, all the more so. There's a great chemistry that happens when any two people can banter in conversation. Right now, I'm speaking as if to you uh, across the table from me here, but I, I appreciate your patience as I learn the ropes to occasionally do solo podcasts and also do some interviews that I will do on my own, but primarily this will be with Pastor Brent. Okay, so five minutes into the podcast, now let me actually get to some more meat. The three further categories I would love to flesh out for goal setting to challenge you in this new year, but also as a Christian following the Lord, as long as it is called today, according to Hebrews. Uh, The other three goals, in addition to physical goals, let's talk about spiritual goals. We're going to talk about financial goals, and we're going to talk about... uh, I lost my note. Yeah, skillful goals. That's kind of a, the more unique word I came up with just to say, what is anything else that could have to do with career, mind, and hobbies, and uh, tools? And all of these goals, all these categories of physical, spiritual, skillful, and financial, I argue, biblically speaking, they all relate to relationships. None other than the Trinity itself or himself, but it's, you know, our God is three and one. It's the paradox of the Christian faith, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They were in perfect unity relationally from eternity past. They are currently in perfect relationship relationally, and they will in the future, okay? One caveat I would say is the moment Jesus died on the cross and was on the cross, he became a sin incarnate, according to 2 Corinthians 5.21. So if you want a theological bomb, I believe that that's where he was actually separated from God the Father for those few hours, and maybe some theologians would say even when he was in the grave, so three days, which is horrific to think about. But remember, here's a great gospel plug for you in this episode 35. Jesus experienced hell for you, in a finite period of time, so you could be spared from hell forever because one sin against an infinite holy God deserves eternal punishment. But one infinitely good God dying for your sin pays for an eternal punishment. And then he not only took our sin, he imputed his righteousness to us, which gives us a ticket to heaven. And while we're in this earth, after salvation, waiting for our new body through death and, and also through the Lord giving us a new body in the, in the resurrection of the dead, we will learn to live like Christ. And I believe that has something to do with goal setting. So spiritual goals, uh, and I did give the caveat in episode 34, why did I talk about physical before spiritual? I believe they're interchangeable. Uh, It's the ascetics from the original uh, heretics of the early church in in the first few centuries that would say, the, in fact, even Plato, I think Greek philosophers said how uh, the, the spirit is inherently good and the f- body or the material world is inherently bad. That's not biblical. Yes, the eternal or the, uh, the physical world is fallen and our bodies and our spirits are fallen, but don't conflate spirit with inherently good all the time and the body inherently evil all the time because remember there's many many demons out there there's satan himself there's the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places according to ephesians 6 12 so don't be deceived into thinking that god does not love your body and that he wants you to steward your body for his purposes and i did talk about that in episode 34 go back and listen if you choose spiritual though 
okay? Just like the Spirit can't be determined to be in, inherently good all the time, we need to discipline ourselves to pursue the Lord spiritually. And I, I came up with four main categories in this category. So remember, there's four big categories, physical, spiritual, financial, skillful. In this big category of spiritual, which I'm only going to tackle in a handful of minutes here, I, I argue there's four main spiritual disciplines. One is Bible reading. The other is prayer. And that would I would call that personal disciplines of spiritual uh, focus. So Bible study, prayer, okay? And that's your relationship with the Lord directly, one-on-one, vertically. But then there's a horizontal meeting out of those spiritual personal disciplines. That would be fellowship and discipleship. So really going, you know, obviously, the local church and, and, and um, Christian relationships, but also the local body and one-on-one and -on -one re discipleship relationships, small groups and such, and also service and outreach. So our... Bible reading and prayer are not ends in themselves except for to commune and grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus personally, individually. But that needs to have fruit and manifestation how we treat others and how do we treat others. That comes with fellowship with the local body and with people you know, uh, Christians, okay, but also service to Christians and non-Christians and outreach to non-Christians. And again, if you're listening and you're not even a Christian and you think I'm trying to be divisive, not at all. I'm just trying to relate what the Bible says. There's a difference between the regenerate and the unregenerate. We're to love everybody, but there's different strategies. There's, there's a true communion and a true fellowship that happens when two people believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for regenerate salvation, and then they grow together in his grace. And, and then through that, we serve others, including the local body and including other believers, but also the lost and those that desperately need the love of God, the Father, and forgiveness of their own sins. So, Specifically, just like I admitted in episode 34 that I fluctuated a lot uh, in my, uh, especially 30s and to some extent my 40s with uh, on and off nutrition discipline and on and off physical discipline, which my primary vehicle is running. Um, but I, I argue now that nutrition is even more important than exercise. So that's why I'm so diligent with what I eat. With feast days, yes, I do celebrate. On New Year's Eve, I had plenty of extra calories and the scale proved it the next day, but then it only took me a few days to get back to equilibrium. Spiritual, I also fluctuated quite a bit. And uh, I didn't put this in my notes, but I love to fly off the seat of my pants regarding extemporaneous speaking. Let me just say this. I didn't learn to read the Bible for myself until college. I did read it on and off as a Catholic growing up through my confirmation, through my CCD classes in high school. I really believe that ninth grade in high school was probably when I, I came to saving faith through thanks a lot to um, my parents' example, but also my Catholic school education. I learned a lot about the Bible and I did read it in the class setting. Uh, by the ninth grade, when I went to a public school, I was desperate for uh, the Lord in, in new ways. And that's where I think experientially I embraced the Christian faith of my own. But it wasn't until college when I was really desperate going from, I would say, one of the top dogs at uh, Alexander Ramsey High School, which became Roseville. My, I was the first graduate class of Roseville in 1987. I was desperate for the Lord by the time I got to college. And my brother Tom and his wife Beth gave me my first study Bible and said, Paul, try out InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. So through that ministry, I learned to read the Bible on my own. And then I met a young woman named Wendy DeGroat, and, and I might have talked about that in the past, and I've talked about it a lot personally in the past, but then we were friends for a year, we dated for three and a half years, got married, now been married 30 and a half years. But it was really neat order that I was desperate for the Lord, uh, he 
taught me how to read the word. Then I met this young woman, good friend of mine, and we got married and we got married in the Lord. So I'm so grateful for that. So when I ever, whenever I um, mentor young couples or even young singles to say, look for a godly mate uh, and be married in the Lord, I know what I'm talking about regarding my own experience, but also biblical counsel. That's another episode we could talk about um, being equally yoked to a fellow believer uh, in the Lord. So spiritual disciplines. After I learned to read the Bible in college, I really didn't get disciplined until I think my first year out of college. I read the whole New Testament in 1992, which coincided with desperately seeking the Lord again for career direction. I won't go into that story. I have fleshed that out in the past, and it's not about my career, but it is about my journey of spiritual discipline. So I thought it was a big deal. Just read the New Testament in a year. And by the way, since then, I've mentored many young people to read the New Testament in a year. I've developed uh, a way to have 200 160 chapters of the Bible, and this is good for you to listen. You want to take notes or just remember this? There's about two, I believe there's 260 chapters in the New Testament. If you read one chapter of the New Testament every weekday, just Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you'll get through the whole New Testament in a year. One chapter a day, five days a week. Take two days off, whatever days you want, okay? So I did that. I, I didn't do that exact formula. I just happened to read the New Testament in a year. That was a goal. But then I went through my early career, and I was not disciplined at all. And I'll talk a little bit about consequences of that, what, what happens when I'm not in the Word, and there's a great biblical basis for that. But it wasn't until my late 20s I decided I'm going to read the whole Bible. And that was uh, specifically 1998 to 2000, that's it, three years. Uh, interestingly enough, that same era, when I started reading the Bible straight through, it took, like I said, it took me three years. If you read four chapters a day, you get it through in a year. Well, I only average a little more than a chapter a day. I guess that math would be about a, th a chapter and a third a day. I got through it in three years. That was the same year, unbeknownst to me, that by May of that year is when the Lord revealed through medical advice that I was infertile and I couldn't father kids, but I was already into the word. So at the very time of my life, which turned out to be about a four-year circumstantial depression over my shattered dream of, of earthly fatherhood and, and having uh, raising kids with my loving wife, Wendy, uh, I was in the word, okay? So I got through that in three years. Then the first time I read through the Bible in one year was 2001, and uh, by the way, I have charts and I, I have guides and there's many good tools out there. And I'll refer to a couple before I go on to the next category here. But 2001 was the first time I read it in, in a year. And that I would say might have been uh, probably the worst single year of my circumstantial depression. And guess what happened toward the end of 2001? 9-11. So, <laughs> boy, there was a lot of trials going on in terms of personal trials and then I was uh, already struggling in my early career, spinning off uh, Jughead. So I'd already been in youth work for about eight years in 2001, almost nine years. But then 9-11 happened. Uh, and yet that immersion in God's word, first the whole Bible over three years, and then a second time in one year, that is how I believe the Lord helped to carry me and not leave me to my own devices. I needed the word. And now I'm going to drop a couple of great verses on you, listeners, please. Um, if you want to read one chapter of Psalms, which is probably the longest chapter of the Bible, I believe it's been said of the 176 verses of Psalm 119, all but three specifically have synonyms about the Word of God. So the law of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, on down the list. I'm going to read two of those 176 verses. And this relates to my first uh, two endeavors to read through the Bible in three and one years, respectively. How can a young man keep his way pure? 
by guarding it according to your word. And guarding it, that, that verb right there reminds me of the full armor of God in Ephesians 6, to which I referred in episode 34. Guard your life by the word of God. Two verses later, an equally precious verse to me, and because I happen to love memorization in general, but especially Bible memorization, I've been an actor most of my life and I've memorized many, many things as an actor and a singer and a speaker. This is Psalm 119, verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So that's an endorsement of Bible memory. And verse 9 is an endorsement about defensive Bible reading for the sake of godliness. And of course, there's many, many other verses about the, I would say, the offensive, re- not offensive, but offensive reason to read the Word of God. That's to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. Second. Peter 3.18, one of my all-time favorite verses. Many, many other reasons. And of course, I know theologically, we want to read the Word of God to know the Lord, okay? But there's both and. More than two things can be true at once. We we read the Word defensively. We read it offensively. We read it because we're desperate for the Lord. We read it because we love the Lord. We read it when we're praiseful, full of praise for the Lord. We read it when we're down in the dumps, okay? That's why the Psalms are great. And by the way, Psalm 119 is kind of right in the middle of the Bible, there's a great quote I heard many years ago that um, uh, I don't, I can't attribute it. Uh, again, I, I'm good at memory, but not always good at about citing people. But this is not in my quote, but I'll quote this. Either this book, the Bible, either this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. So remember that. One of the goals, one of the reasons that I argue every believer should read the Bible in some way every day is to keep you from sin. Okay, again, defensive, but it's also to grow in Jesus' likeness and to pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're regenerate, and the Holy Spirit indwells us when we have saving faith, but we can grieve him by avoiding him and his word and therefore then be more prone to sin, okay? We want to do it for our own growth in the Lord. So the other major category of a spiritual discipline, uh, the one other category I would argue that is a a spiritual discipline is prayer. Now, of course, there's fasting and there's other things that are very personal, but I'm just going to focus on prayer now. Uh, I'm going to quote my former pastor, John Piper, where um, he said he often could not pray more than about five minutes without going back to the Word of God. And the reason he argued that, and I happen to agree that uh, there is such a thing as laboring in prayer and praying an hour a day or or many, many hours a day, uh, but if you're not praying even with a scripture in your mind, our minds tend to wander, and we tend to pray not according to the will of God, but according to our feelings or according to uh, our circumstances only. The Word of God is eternal, even though it was written in a historical context about over 1,500 years on three continents by about 40 authors, it's an eternal truth that is through the Word of God. So when you pray, it doesn't mean you have to pray just in a vacuum, as it were, just for your petitions and supplications and thanksgivings and, and all the other different formulae of prayer that we've heard about over the years, at least if you've been in Christian circles. You pray the Word. You can actually pray the Word of God. Uh, and and I won't give examples here. I'll just say pray. But One of the disciplines I have referred to in the past on this podcast about how to be disciplined in prayer is simply to have a prayer journal. So every day I write down, like uh, today is uh, the 3rd of January, so put 1-3-24 on the top of my prayer journal, which is fresh for 2024. And then today my my disciplined Bible readings had me in Joshua uh, chapters 4 and 5, actually 3, 4, and 5, because I was a little bit lazy last night, I only read a couple of chapters. And uh, and I'll get to how often I read the Bible in a minute. 
But then I also put down Psalms 1 and 2 in my Bible reading plan. And then under that, I will write down prayer petitions like, God, please help my podcast. Please fill me with the Holy Spirit. Don't let my words fall to the ground. Please help me to communicate what you want me to communicate in my podcast. So I write down prayers. And then I would like to grow in the area of being more disciplined for intercessory prayer. That's why I really appreciate Deb Hanna and Denise McCall and others in our uh, church here at New Life that are, they labor over communicating prayer requests of others. And uh, every Sunday, uh, either Kai Anderson or myself or one of the other staff, Steve Douglas or Ann or Jody or Pastor Brent will get up and say, uh, if you want a prayer request heard by the elders or publicly write it on the prayer card and we'll pray for you. And, and a lot of times that comes in the form of an email and, and oftentimes it's even reiterated on newsletters and on other uh, written publications. So prayer is a discipline, I believe. Yes, it is uh, to be done with in spirit and in truth. The spirit would come with emotions. The truth would come with, I would argue, not just theological correctness, but systematic way. I Again, I'm not good at that. I, I do believe I have the gift of knowledge and, and I can... Uh, I can know a lot about the Bible, but I'm growing in the area of intercessory prayer, let alone personal supplication. So Bible reading and prayer, big things. And, and I will get to that now. Um, I decided about age 44, uh, or I guess I was 42 and a half or 43 and a half. I decided I'm going to read through the Bible every year, uh, at least till age 50. And so I am now entering now in 2024, my, I think it's my 12th or 13th, 13th year in a row reading the Bible every year. And a handful of times I read it one, two or three years or two or three years before that. Um, now I will amend that and say, my goal is to read the Bible every year, the rest of my life. And I might say even at least once a year, uh, when I get to the financial thing uh, in a minute, which will be very brief because I'm focusing on physical and spiritual so much in these two episodes, Larry Burkett, I call him my uh, hero of Christian financial stewardship. Um, and, uh, and, and Randy Elkhorn's up there too, but Larry Burkett was my gateway as a young married, how to be good stewards of our finances. He read the Bible four times a year, I, three, three or four. Uh, it was three or four, I forget. I, I'm gonna, let's just say three, let's not exaggerate. So three times a year, that's 12 chapters a day. That was his conviction. And Larry was not a theologian trained. He was a finance guy. Uh, but he loved to immerse in the word of God. So whatever it means for you. And let me just name drop my wife, Wendy. She is not the same person as me. Thank God for that. She reads the Bible daily. But by the way, she reads a different translation. She prefers the New Living Translation, which is more conversational. She also prefers the Chronological Study Bible. So she reads the Bible chronologically. And I think she probably gets through the whole Bible maybe every three or four years. And I don't think there's anything less godly than that. But the point is, be intentional. For me, the way my mind wanders and the way my emotions often get the best of me, I need to immerse in the Word of God every day. And that does inform my prayer, as I said. Okay, the other two big categories within the spiritual discipline category of goals is fellowship and service. Uh, so I do believe it is a form of a goal to make it to church every Sunday. Beyond that, it's a goal to serve at your local church, which is part of the last point in the spiritual disciplines category. Um, also, could you make it a goal, not just in 2024, but for the rest of your life, to seek out mentoring of others? It could be something as simple as an encouraging text to a niece or a nephew, or certainly your children if you have children of your own. It could be 
uh, a formal discipleship relationship where you meet regularly with somebody one-on-one or you lead a small group Bible study or whatever it is that is a, a spiritual discipline. Make it a goal. Put a date on the calendar. I'm going to meet with you for coffee. And it doesn't have to be approached like a project. Remember, the overarching thing of all these categories, physical, spiritual, financial, and skillful, is relationships. And the biblical basis for that is the Trinity itself is relational-based. We're relationship-based. Any of these type A goals that seem to be on the surface uh, more solo or perhaps to some even self-serving, they should be a springboard by which we're more effective in ministering to others. I don't have time right now to go through more examples of, of fellowship and discipleship or service and outreach, but just know I believe those are goals, goals to get together. Don't just say, let's get together. Uh, when I do that, sometimes I give like people 10 dates. Let's get together now, 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 and then get back to me. Okay, this date works back. Great, let's get together. And that's a little mini goal, or, or I guess, yeah, mini goal, because by definition, I set a goal today. I got it done. A medium goal, if you want to use it in a relational context or a ministry context, a medium goal, let's get together every week or every other week for a season. And a mega goal would be, let's be soulmates. Let's be like David and Jonathan. We are so uh, loving of each other in the Lord that we want to spend as much time together uh, for the rest of our lives. And again, that doesn't just mean man, wife in marriage. It could mean dear friends. It could mean a mentor relationship with um, a coach and a student, of course, with all propriety. And I know there's a lot of garbage that goes on with, with unhealthy relationships. So I'm talking about goals to be intentional relationally. Okay. Now, uh, I, I might let this go a little longer than a half hour of an episode, but I do want to touch on the, the other two big categories of finances and skills as we wrap up. And, and that's okay if they're a little bit shorter than, than physical or spiritual. And all of this, as I said at the beginning of this episode 35, if I'm leaving anything uh, left unspoken about what are the pragmatic ways to set goals, let me just say by overarching, I love hard copy things. I read hard copy Bible. I do a hard copy prayer journal. I do uh, hard copy uh, finance things oftentimes, and we'll get into that in a second. Uh, and then as far as skills, I keep hard copy logs of how I discipline myself. And that's just me. Okay, that's that's a way to do it pragmatically, but I won't flesh out further because I do want to give an overarching view here at the beginning of 2024 in my first set of solo podcasts. So finances, that's one of my favorite topics of Christian living is financial stewardship. We've talked a lot about that recently here at New Life because of our campaign to raise money. Uh, specifically, uh, I think the goal is, speaking of goals, about $3 million over the next three years to build a new building. Now, we're going to revise that because of the uh, uncertainty of how that's going to come in and, and all that, but we're still going to have, we're going to work with what we have, but we can still have a goal as each family considered through advanced commitments and through the campaign uh, celebration Sunday in October of 2023. Consider what is your goal. That's okay. It's not ungodly to have a goal. It doesn't somehow rob it of spiritual meaning to say, I have a goal to give X amount of dollars above and beyond my tithe this year for Roots and Branches to fund New Life's vision for creative ministry and doing church and doing life together. How that works down uh, in the individual family level of finances 
main categories. Uh, what's your goal for earning? What's your goal for giving? What's your goal for saving, spending, and investing? And there's many biblical citations. A couple of I wrote down that I'd love to just share with you from memory. I love James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from uh, the Father above, the Father of heavenly lights, with whom there is no shifting shadow of change. One of the reasons great is thy faithfulness is one of my all-time favorite hymns, probably tied for number one with Holy, 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 is because it talks about God's faithfulness in providing for us, and that's James 1.17 is a theme verse in that hymn, that um, uh, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Uh, God provides everything we need. And then Psalm 90, verse 17, that's Moses' psalm. I think he wrote two, but that if, if not, he only wrote Psalm um, 90. The end of Psalm uh, 90 he says, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. As the Lord establishes our work, sometimes that leads to income, but sometimes it leads to service without income. Again, I mentioned in episode 34, that might be someone that's retired, that's just living in a fixed income, or maybe they're living on other people's donations, uh, and or could be a, a stay-at-home mom, or it could be anybody else. But whether we uh, work or whether we don't work, we can be specific about how do we steward the money God has given us. One of the main stewardship areas is giving. I believe that should be a goal. I believe that uh, tithing, uh, Randy Alcorn calls it the training wheels of giving is tithing. 10% right off the top, and then you give that to the local church. Anything above and beyond that is an offering. Again, there's different theories in Christendom. Uh, Larry Burkett is my hero, as I referred to before, who read the Bible about three times every year till he died in his early 70s. And then Randy Alcorn says, uh, yes, the tithe is a good discipline, but don't stop there. There's great stories in his book called Money, Possessions, and Eternity about certain people like John Wesley, the very famous preacher, uh, whose brother Charles wrote about 6,000 hymns. He committed that he was going to live on a certain amount and gave everything else away, as did others like a, a man named Laterno from Texas. He gave away 90% of his income by the, by the time he passed away. And there's good goals there. Many of us can't afford to give more than, let's say, 10%. But I do believe the Lord calls all Christians to give something. Just because, let's say, someone escapes the tax bracket because your income is so low, remember the widow who gave those two small copper pennies which is uh, a, a few dollars or a couple of dollars by 2024 standards. She gave, and Jesus commended her for giving more than all who dropped their big buckets of gold and silver in the temple treasury. So Christians, everybody should give, and I believe you can have a, a set uh, purpose in your heart what to give. That's uh, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Uh, but be challenged, how can you give more? So earn, give, save, I think it was Wesley, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but someone said, uh, earn as much as you can, save as much as you can, give as much as you can. In my list, I put giving ahead of saving because if I don't tithe right away on anything I receive, I am more apt to justify keeping it because I have needs or I have, uh, I have un, un, um, anticipated needs and anticipated needs. No, I give first and then I save. That's kind of called paying yourself first. And then spending is an area of goals, okay? Uh, in fact, one of the reasons I love responsible teachers that talk about budgeting, such as Larry Burkett, Dave Ramsey, and others, is because when you budget, you have permission to spend. You should have a budget in your family budget for dating your mate. 
date your wife. Wendy and I withdraw a certain amount of money each month and we use that for our Chipotle date nights or we use that for other special occasions, going to Pizza Ranch before the Gettys with our, our friends here at New Life Church in December to see them in concert at Orchestra Hall. That is a good, good way to budget. And that counts as godliness, in my opinion. And then investing. That's one I know the least bit about. I admit that I am a rube when it comes to investing because uh, I have uh, taken some risks regarding being debt-free as well as uh, trusting the Lord. Uh, And I know that there are different schools of thought. I will challenge you, though, in general, be careful of thinking the American dream is the Lord's dream. So yes, there's a lot to be said. Even what I just name dropped, the debt-free thing, that's a, that's a good, noble goal. But that in and itself isn't necessarily godly. It's toward the end of freeing up your finances to be more generous, to be more uh, stable with your own finances so that you're not desperate to get more hours and then burn out and then perhaps your marriage or your parenthood will fall apart because you're not responsible. So uh, investing is toward the end not of just retiring at a certain age and and living off your money to play for the rest of your life. I've heard, again, Larry Riquette, third time I've mentioned him in this podcast. Uh, When we are able to live on on, um, savings, let's say in retirement, it's not just to play the rest of our lives, it's to serve, to be a full-time volunteer, as it were. All within balance, yes. All within the Lord's will and seek the Lord. That goes back to prayer and Bible study. Seek the Lord. How can I serve once I don't need to work anymore? But even when you do work, remember, work preceded the curse. We're not to see work as an inherent evil. Adam was told to till the garden before the fall, and that's why I believe on the new earth we will actually have jobs. Finally, skills. How can one set skill goals? And the major category, again, I mentioned this several times, is career, or I would say calling slash vocation. Every person, everyone on the earth, but I would say especially those that follow Christ, even if you have all the money you need for the rest of your life, what's your calling? How can you set goals toward that? It could be the goal of mentoring young people or young marrieds or whatever uh, category you want to choose in all propriety and, and with the Lord's blessing on you. It could be, excuse me, there's a belch. Um, it could be hobbies. When I tried to, uh, or began learning the banjo at age 43, I decided I'm going to log every day how many minutes I played. And my goal, there's a goal, my goal was to um, learn to play the banjo so I could open the show doing a Steve Martin impression in Juggle Jam 14, which is 2012. Okay, so I logged, by the time all was said and done, I took 23 banjo lessons, I logged about 421 hours of practice, I learned 23 songs, and I did open the show as Steve Martin. The easy one was the Ramblin' Man song, and then the harder one was Foggy Mountain Breakdown, made famous by Earl Scruggs, who I believe also wrote that. It was very, very slow, very slow, but I did it, and I still have that banjo. I'm trying to dust it off and learn it here, now in my uh, second career at church ministry. But my point is... I like to challenge myself sometimes with things that are outside of my comfort zone, even in middle age, and that would be definitely under the category of skillful goals. Other hobbies, too. Think about what you can do. In fact, I'm going to bring this to a head so I keep this episode under 40 minutes, but even hobbies. I mentioned that Abraham Kuyper quote in episode 34, and we've mentioned it many times in these 35 uh, podcast episodes with Pastor Brent, who's on vacation right now. Every hobby can and should be uh, under the sovereignty of God. And I don't say that to try to be overly uh, holier than thou. 
You never know how the Lord can use your obscure hobby to bless others. I know the Szymanski families love pickleball. Sam just played in a tournament, and he's now friends with a former Minnesota Viking. I won't name drop who that is because I don't want to do that since in case it's confidential, but it's neat. You never know what connections you can make when you go hard after a hobby, but it does take some goal setting. Whether you want to be good, back to my physical exercise analogy or, or category, whether you want to be good at running, you might running connections. I was a board of directors for six years for the Minnesota distance runners. Yeah, I was just kind of a, a you know polished a chair with my with my seat. I, I wasn't really that vocal on the board, but I got to rub shoulders with some great runners and, and some great uh, community figures of the Twin Cities running community. And that was a really good experience, as well as in the International Juggling Association, not that I served on the board, but by leading a, a couple of dozen trips to international festivals. And by the way, that is only because Tom and Beth, my brother and sister-in-law, gave me my first set of clutch balls when I was 20 years old. One might think, was that just because they wanted me to learn a hobby to, you know, to show off or, or to get that old dreaded cliche, must have a lot of time in your hands. Well, guess what? How about learning a hobby, whether it's banjo or juggling or some obscure hobby you can think about that you'd like to do, that is a ministry tool when it's done for the glory of the Lord. And so it does take discipline, though. If you want to get good at anything, you should make uh, make it out a goal how to get better through that your excellence will be winsome to others so that uh, you can not only bring them alongside you and teach them those skills to disciple by doing but you can then make connections you otherwise never would have made so another analogy for me in addition to juggling I did theater from sixth grade on I, I minored in, in theater and music in college I did some semi-professional stuff both with a refreshment committee theater company and then on the Sunday night radio show through Northwestern College College, the Skylight Satellite Network, and all those theater experiences really helped me in my youth career through directing Juggle Jams with Jugheads, but now already at New Life doing theater. And one would think that, oh, is, is theater a sort of Parabiblical, or is, is even even non-biblical, because some people you know, traditionally have thought, okay, theater is of the devil because it's showing off or it's dramatic. And well, remember, Jesus used parables, and we can hone any skill. Again, that's a category: skillfulness. Hone any skill toward career, toward your calling, through hobbies, through hospitality, toward disciple by doing, and so. All these categories, if I may sum up, summarize this. Remember, no perfectionism had here. Wrapping up my two-part episode on goal setting. Make 2024 and the rest of your life intentional. It does not mean trying to cram in as much as you can in a day or a lifetime, but it does mean being intentional. Be patient with yourself. Uh, that goes through your physical fitness and nutrition and exercise it goes through your financial fitness so you can uh, uh, live on your own, but also bless others through giving and sharing. It means spiritual fitness through disciplined Bible reading, however that means to you. Maybe it's one verse a day. But if you're doing social media or watching YouTube or, or even watching or doing other things and you're avoiding the Lord, that will likely lead to sin. And then, of course, skills, as I mentioned. Try new hobbies. Try new things. Stretch yourself. That includes in your career. That includes in your personal life. Those are many good things to think about that do directly relate to godliness in Christ Jesus. And it also relates to our theme of this podcast, 
deepening roots, and growing branches through Disciple by Doing. This is Paul Arneberg, and uh, I'm so glad that uh, you were able to endure through these uh, two special episodes that are my solo endeavor, and look forward to next time when Pastor Brent comes back for episode 36. We do have a special interview lined up, and God bless you all in 2024.